the automated podcast. So welcome to another episode of Automated, the podcast exploring the impact of technology on jobs. And as always, I'm your host, Mark Verbenkov. So this episode and the next will be the last two monologue format episodes for Automated. So as I said all the way back at the start, I wanted to kind of lay out the foundational ideas connected to automation before really starting the kind of interesting discussions with experts that would allow this podcast to dive much more deeply into these topics that I've been speaking about. Now, that being said, with the coronavirus outbreak, some modifications have had to be had with the podcast. So rather than focusing on automation in general, the first series of interviews will have a heavy slant towards how this epidemic is impacting different sectors and technologies, but of course, also focus on automation and jobs. I've already done a few interviews, and I'm pretty excited about sharing them with all of you in the next few weeks. Uh, I do, however, want to finish with these last two episodes as they, I think, really encapsulate the ideas presented in this podcast so far, as well as set up the frame for the series of interviews that will come afterwards, while also giving maybe a little small break uh, to the constant flow of virus pandemic focused ideas, which I think all of us are a little bit oversaturated with. So I will also skip the uh, usual technology update section as I'm planning on writing uh, a more comprehensive article which assembles all of the main technological uh, automation and job related impacts that this global crisis is really pushing forward as a more substantial follow up to the coronavirus uh, special episode I did a few weeks back. So with that out of the way, this episode will summarize the main thread that has been kept throughout the episodes up until now. So regarding the future of technology and the ability to automate human tasks and even entire jobs, there are really two dominant positions that people have held over time. So one is the historical perspective, which really falls in line with the idea of creative destruction and the perspective that rose from the Luddite movement in the 1800s, that of technological unemployment. So in a 2014 questionnaire by the Pew Research Center, there were well over 2,000 known experts in the field of technology uh, that were questioned on which side of this argument they fell on, either the creative destruction side or the technological unemployment side. So the chief scientists of Salesforce.com, vice president of Google, and the principal researcher for Microsoft were among those interviewed. So 48% of all the experts envisioned a future of technological unemployment in which robots and digital agents have displaced significant numbers of both blue and white collar workers. With many expressing concern that this will lead to vast increases in income inequality, uh, masses of people who are effectively unemployable and breakdowns in the social order. On the other side, though, uh, 52% expected a future of continuous creative destruction, where technology will not displace more jobs than it creates by 2025. So this group anticipated that many jobs currently performed by humans will be substantially taken over by robots or digital agents by 2025, but they have faith that human ingenuity will create new jobs, industries, and ways to make a living just as it has been doing since the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. 
So this is just one example of a clear divide between the possible futures, but I think represents discussions and debates that are ongoing uh, by many people and shows why I think a podcast that explores these ideas is so important today. But what about the technologies that will be doing the uh, future disruptions? So I started this podcast by looking at artificial intelligence as it is seen as the technology with the most potential to impact the way that we work. So we currently have many examples of narrow AI. Think of examples like AlphaGo that is able to defeat any human chess or Go player, as well as many other online competitive games, or a AI system built in San Francisco um, by a company called Entlick, uh, where it was 50% uh, better at classifying tumors compared against three expert human radiologists working together. So we can see that the AI industry as of at least 2018 was worth about 1.2 trillion US dollars and is estimated to reach up to around 4 trillion by 2022. And with it, uh, it has generated a significant amount of jobs focused on building and improving the technology as well as the business cases and applications for its use. So current narrow AI also augments people's capabilities in what has been termed uh, centaur teams. This is where humans work beside AI applications to improve the quality of work done. So the radiologist example actually enables the human healthcare worker to focus on other tasks that can lead to more patient care and human to human interaction. But the ultimate goal in some AI circles is artificial general intelligence, which has the capacity to understand or learn any intellectual task that a human being can. So specifically, once uh, artificial general intelligence or AGI comes about, it is entirely possible that human creativity, ingenuity, and even capacity for reason will be made completely inferior, much like our chess skills of today. So this could apply to music and even the arts in general, where AI systems are already composing music and designing drawings. So if taken to its logical conclusion, we would be hard pressed to think of a place where humans would be relevant or even needed anywhere for employment purposes at all. So robots um, also play a large role in this discussion, especially as they are more physical and tangible than a digital AI algorithm. There are now some 2.5 million industrial robots in use across the world, with the numbers being installed actually increasing every year. So 400,000 were installed in 2008 alone, and the numbers are expected to be much larger in 2019 uh, when those numbers come out. So repetitive manufacturing jobs are the hardest hit with the adoption of industrial robots, as these uh, metal workers are able to work 24 seven and don't need any breaks, holidays, or sick leave, which leads to drastic increases in efficiencies. But service robots, on the other hand, have already gone over 16 million units sold across the world and are composed of uh, robot vacuums, autonomous guided vehicles, drones, exoskeletons, etc. So overall, service robots tend to augment human worker capabilities, which leads to the transformation of jobs rather than their elimination. Uh, for example, elder care robots and agricultural inspection drones are good examples where the technology helps employees with specific tasks. 
autonomous guided vehicles, or AGVs, however, have been put to use within logistics centers as well as warehouses to create what are called uh, lights out or dark warehouses, where humans are being completely removed to allow for streamlined workflows in the dark uh, and without heating. So the uh, number of expenses actually decreases as well. And though not a traditional robot, 3D printing or additive manufacturing technologies also hold great promise to shorten supply chains by enabling something called on-demand as well as on-location production of really customizable products. So the interesting part of 3D printing, I think, is that many different materials can also be used, allowing traditional manufacturing to be disrupted, but also healthcare and construction as both uh, organs and even houses can be essentially printed in shorter periods of time with much greater accuracy. So moving on, uh, autonomous vehicles, perhaps one of the most popular emerging technologies, also has one of the largest automation potentials of many technologies, simply because one of the main jobs across the world, uh, which is held by millions, has to do with the transportation of both people or goods. So taxi and truck drivers, delivery workers, uh, boat and train captains, and even pilots, as well as all the supporting businesses around transportation vehicles, are essentially under threat of becoming obsolete within the next decade. So though passenger cars require the strictest testing due to the, of course, close interaction with an urban population, we already see examples of fully automated trains, boats, trucks, and planes already being implemented. So many of these autonomous vehicles still have humans monitoring them in case of an emergency, but in some cases, only one human employee um, who is monitoring is required for a small fleet of vehicles, which leads one to question what will happen to current employees once this technology is implemented. So both virtual reality and augmented reality are emerging technologies and are already impacting jobs by helping with the training and reskilling of employees. So a VR training course has already been shown to be as comparable as an analog or real life course when it comes to learning and retention of the information. But what is perhaps even more interesting right now is that uh, specifically VR is going to possibly open up an entirely new space where people can interact and communicate and exchange services leading to potentially new economies that are purely digital. Though this might be a few years away still, uh, through digital currencies like those pushed forward in the cryptocurrency space, it might be possible that once many of the jobs become automated, this new sector that emerges for employees exists solely in the virtual world. So a current battle is actually being waged between the private and public blockchain spaces. However, it is generally understood that blockchain technology, whether in the form of Bitcoin-like cryptocurrencies or enterprise-run digital ledgers, uh, many of those impacted by this technology will be the middleman job types. So a good example of this, I think, is the remittance industry, where people who send money back home to support their families in typically poor countries are charged very high fees by the organization enabling those transactions. So in 2018, this accounted for some 30 billion US dollars. So blockchain technologies can eliminate the need for this middleman by connecting the sender and the receiver directly. But a more tangible technology is vertical farming. 
So the stacked layers of various crops in a controlled environment, uh, like a shipping container or a repurposed warehouse, can allow drastically reduced water, pesticide, and soil use to grow edible plants for a population. So additionally, the plants can be grown locally, reducing further still the transportation and fuel costs associated with agriculture. So some of the larger vertical farms have as much as 70,000 square feet of space and can even produce a few million pounds of vegetables per year. Granted, this is usually in the form of lettuce. Uh, there are also robotic and conveyor systems being implemented that allow the entire growing and harvesting process to be fully automated by being synced with various temperature, moisture, and nutrient sensors. So these sensors also play a role in the Internet of Things, which is aiming to connect nearly every device and machine across the planet to the Internet. So this would require, of course, massive data analysis to enable remote monitoring and understanding of things like the state of crops or the breakdown date of industrial machines to even how our physical state is likely to change and what precautions we can put in place to avoid any negative impacts. And finally, automation practices are being implemented into the retail, military, and space industries. So unmanned stores that use facial recognition or other forms of ID tracking, like the new Amazon stores in the USA, enable people to walk in, grab the groceries that they want, and walk out, being automatically charged without any need to even pull out a card or give any physical money to a cashier. Uh, in the military side of things, tanks, drones, uh, as well as fighter jets and any kind of support robots are also being heavily automated and made autonomous in order to support troops, but also replace the possibility of soldier casualties in the event of a war. So though there are, of course, ethical problems and uh, non-profit groups that are actively trying to stop this from going ahead, it appears that militaries across the world are also ramping up their ability to carry out warfare without the direct use of human beings on the front lines. And lastly, the space industry, which employs around a million people across the world today, is getting a massive boost in interest and innovation from uh, innovative private companies, which are of course bringing online autonomous space debris cleaners, uh, exploration satellites, rovers, and even the transport vessels. So these are some of the main technologies and industries outlined as both causing and being impacted today that I've talked about on the podcast. However, what has been outlined is not at all determined to actually go ahead. So over time, we have seen that certain technologies are abandoned completely due to either the political or economic climate of the time, irrespective of their potential. So you can just look at the electric car that has only really in the last few years made a significant resurgence from their initial use about 100 years ago. So just because the technology is interesting, innovative, and has a great potential for impact doesn't necessarily mean that it'll actually go ahead. So with many of the examples outlined above, uh, one would assume that a number of industries would be hit a lot harder by automation and lead to large jobless populations. However, one of the possibly strongest uh, plugs in this trend of automation has been the creation of both fake and bullshit jobs where employees either pretend to work or undertake work that provides no actual economic or social value. 
So though this argument depends too much on a few small surveys, it was shown that as much as 40% of the Western workforce identified as having one of these non-productive, useless jobs. If this is in fact the case, even if automation technologies were to surge forward, making many of the now productive jobs obsolete, there is no guarantee that high levels of unemployment would follow if we continue to create jobs that simply fill this hole. Then again, if this ends up not being the case and high levels of unemployment do begin to emerge, solutions like Universal Basic Income Schemes, or UBI, uh, have been proposed to fill that gap and offer people a way to disassociate survival from a typical job. So pilot projects across the world have shown that different forms of UBI not only keep people out of poverty, but also bring many positive social impacts while not drastically reducing the desire for people to work. So though these projects have not run for as long or as large of a scale as one would need to claim that UBI schemes would solve the problem of technological unemployment, the early evidence seems to be generally positive. However, if automation technologies do not lead to high levels of unemployment, but rather create entirely new industries and jobs along with them, then an entirely different approach will need to be taken. If creative destruction is the dominant future, reskilling will be vital to the way people remain relevant in the workforce. So technologies like VR and AR, and even certain AI programs, could be very helpful in hastening new skill sets for emerging industries that would need large numbers of new workers. So reskilling centers are already being put in place across many countries to help with this eventuality. But the question still remains whether or not people can be trained fast enough for the accelerating pace of technological advancement. So out of the two possible futures discussed here, there is still a clear lack of consensus as to which will be the dominant one going forward. I'm personally very excited to continue exploring this topic with the guests that will be coming onto the podcast in the weeks and months ahead, and I hope that uh, you will also get some value from the podcast as well. So one just small final point. As mentioned at the start, I have really attempted to keep an objective perspective when it comes to this topic. However, in the final monologue episode next week, I will briefly explain my point of view and why I find this topic to be one of the most interesting, as well as, I think, important ones of the century. So thanks, and uh, until next week. So thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to support the podcast, you can leave a like or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to get in touch, feel free to do so over Twitter or LinkedIn by searching for Automated Podcast. On the website, automatedpodcast.org, you can leave a comment on any of the episodes, read the transcripts, and look at the sources I use in all of these episodes. There are also blog articles and additional resources and information on this topic and podcast if you are looking for more. See you next week. The Automated Podcast.